0: Hi. good morning King of Kings. Good to see everybody this morning. I trust things are going well with you in worship so far. I feel like our team did a wonderful job of creating that space for us. And if you're new, let me just welcome you. First, let me welcome the members, welcome home. If you're new, welcome to the community of King of Kings. If you're watching online, King's Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, other platforms, welcome to Jerusalem as we turn our attention to the high holiday of Yom Kippur. You might have seen some things maybe unfamiliar to you today. Number one, we're worshiping in the morning. So for all of you early risers, you got your wish today. For all the normal people, it's a little bit early for some of us. No, we're just kidding. But glad to have everybody. Uh, You know, it's always good to praise the Lord. Morning and evening, you also saw that Um, the the team was wearing white today, Vivian was wearing white as she did a great parasha reading as well, because traditionally during the high holidays, you're going to wear something in the family of white, purifying, uh, focusing on the Lord, the purity, the sanctification of the Lord in our life. So that that might be new to some of you as well, but uh, it's going to be a great day Uh, in the word of God. Grab your Bibles. We're going to be in a couple of places. If you want to put your finger in two books, I would encourage you to turn to the book of Leviticus and the book of Hebrews today as we get started. Let's ask the Lord for his help this, uh, this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Let us glean from your word richness today. We pray that it's meaningful, that it's changing that it's empowering today. Let us understand something we've never understood before. Help us, Holy Spirit, to take at least one step forward in our intimacy with you today. We need your help as we study your word. In Yeshua's name we pray, amen, amen. So those of you that are fasting uh, starting tonight, you you might say, well, what's the deal with the morning service? Well, we kind of have a protocol that when the Chag or the holiday falls on a Sunday evening, okay, we, we shift our service to the morning. And you might say, well, wh- why is that? Well, the local Israelis all know why that is. It's because the buses and the trains and the taxis and everything starts shutting down about two o'clock today. So you won't be able to, to go anywhere. So if you're visiting today, we welcome you. But if you're visiting, we want to encourage you after the service, get to where you need to get to quickly. Because if you don't, you won't be able to. As a matter of fact, in my little village, they, they put up barriers and they block the entrance from the freeway into our village. You cannot get in and out, it's not even possible. They might be willing to move it for an ambulance, but that's about it. The kids go riding their bikes. Tonight, listen, even starting three or four days ago, my kids were already talking about, you know, can't wait for Yom Kippur. I was like, really, the Lord's drawing you to the heart of Yom Kippur. <laughs> It's like, well, well, that's good too, Dad, but Willie, we get to ride our bikes in the middle of the street because everything is shut down. It's a Sabbath. It's closed. So get where you need to get to. That's why we did the early morning service. If you're a believer in Yeshua, then you probably already embrace the fact that Yeshua is the perfect sacrifice for you. Otherwise, you, you probably wouldn't have already put your trust in him. But if you're new to the faith, I want to encourage you with a greater depth of knowledge today about why Yeshua is the perfect sacrifice for you. I'm going to unlock a few scriptures you may or may not have heard about. You may not have put the puzzle pieces together. Perhaps you're a visitor. We welcome you today. Maybe you're an unbeliever. We welcome you today. We're glad you're here in the house of the Lord. What I want to do today for you is... is hopefully expose some of the key details about Yeshua, that you might consider learning more about him today as our Yom Kippur sacrifice. That's our goals for today, and I think we're gonna hopefully do a good job of that. We know that Yom Kippur is a day that God has established in order for us to learn and remember that he alone is our atonement for sin, he alone is our atonement for sin. After all, a, the general principle works this way. A guilty person cannot make atonement for themselves because they're the guilty party. Somebody with dirty hands cannot wash their hands without the help of someone else because their hands are already dirty. This is why God had to intervene Because it takes a perfect sacrifice to atone for the sin of mankind. we were in the middle of a series called Perfection. Three weeks ago, we started with perfect God. Last week for Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets, it was perfect timing. Today, it's the perfect sacrifice. Now, don't forget that next week, coming right back here, as we are in the festival of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, but we're back at 5 p.m. Don't forget. Show up early. If you show up early, I'm going to let you intercede over the sanctuary. Next week, but I would say this. Typically, from this point forward, there are very large crowds gathering. So next week I would encourage you to get here a bit early if you want to get a seat that you like. Okay? If you if you don't get here early, then you might get a seat you you don't like. That's fine. We'll put you in the lobby. But listen. Speaking of perfect sacrifice, God's intervention to become the perfect sacrifice for us started way back in the Garden of Eden. It did not start on the cross. It finished on the cross, but that's not where it started. It started back in the Garden of Eden when we sinned and God made the first move to cover Adam and Eve with the skin of animals. Therefore, he was the first one that ever made sacrifice. And then he used that example to help the children of Israel see prophetically what was coming down the road. But let's not forget that it was God who made the first move. It was God who made the first sacrifice. Genesis 3.21 even tells us this. It says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. It was God who did it. You see, Adam and Eve tried to do the hiding game. And that didn't really work. It really didn't do anything. They tried to do the fig leaf thing. That didn't work either. It's not your best look. But animal skin, that's a good look. It covers you. Those of you wearing animal skin today, you look good. <laughs> I'm sure some animal rights... Activist group will give me an email about that. (laughs) But as with most comments, I don't care. (laughs) Let me give you the first key phrase of today God did not wait for Adam and Eve to try to come up with an appropriate solution for their sin because they would have never been able to do it. So he met them where they were and he moved into action. He didn't wait for them to figure it out because they would have never figured it out. He moved first. And that reminds us of Romans chapter five, verse eight. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners, Yeshua died for us. He didn't wait for you to get it all figured out and fixed before he already died for you. I always like to tell the, the, the story I was, I was, Headed to the gym to work out And I was trying to encourage this friend of mine Get to the, come on, don't you want to work out Don't you want to exercise And he was like, no I'm like, come on I'll do it with you, it'll be great And then he said this backwards phrase That's always stuck out to me He said, I'm not strong enough to go to the gym And I thought, you know what I bet a lot of people think about Yeshua that way Well, I'm not clean enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not holy enough, I'm not righteous enough. Let me work on myself and then I'll present myself to God. Well, the problem is you'll never make it. There's no version of that story where you fix yourself enough to come before God and impress him, the holy and perfect God. That's why God couldn't wait for you. He had to move to action. That while we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us, giving us away to him. And on Yom Kippur, this pattern is the same because Hebrews 13 tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he always moved to action first back then, then he moves to action first even now. After the sermon in a few minutes, we're gonna give you a chance to come up and receive prayer here at the altar. And what we're doing in that moment is giving you a chance to come before God and say, God, I can't do this. But if you will move to action in my life first, then I will be able to respond to your loving kindness. On this holy day of Yom Kippur that's approaching, we believe it's a prophetic symbol of the great day of the final judgment and the final cleansing that the Lord will do for all of his creation. Now let's remember, we love to go over the prophetic timeline. There are seven festivals of the Lord. We believe that each one of them has a meaning for the earth. Each one of them shows us more about who Yeshua is, but each one of them also shows you a prophetic timeline of this creation. That at Passover, Yeshua died as the Passover lamb, bringing higher fulfillment to that day. On unleavened bread, Yeshua was in the grave, taking away the sin of the world, bringing a higher fulfillment to that holiday. On the festival of first fruits, what did he do? He rose from the dead, bringing a higher level of fulfillment to that holiday. We count the Omer for 50 days, and then what happens on the 50th day, but the God-commanded festival of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, what happens? The Holy Spirit is given to all believers, bringing a higher fulfillment to that day. And all of those four first festivals have already seen a certain measure of fulfillment in Yeshua. And then at Yom Teruah, we said, listen, the prophetic meaning here is the blowing of the trumpet, the return of our king. And we believe that is the inauguration of it, the millennial reign. But after that reign is over, you have another festival yet to be fulfilled, and it's entirety, and that is the day of Yom Kippur, the great atonement, the final judgment. And you say, well, why is it so somber? I've wrestled with it. It's a somber day because there's supposed to be fasting, denying of oneself. There's supposed to be 10 days of repentance before you approach the final judgment. But there's also a somberness because we know that most of the world, can I say, has not yet found Messiah, and on that final judgment day, it's not a happy day for most people. It's a celebratory day for us in one way, but we're also sad for them on that one day. And that's why it becomes a much more soft, much more introspective day. And then, of course, after the great judgment of Yom Kippur, the next prophetic symbol of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, is the Messiah dwelling with us once again. The great seventh holiday, the Sabbath holiday, if you will. The age of rest that happens in the heavenly places. The day of Yom Kippur itself was given to us as a command of the Lord in the Torah. So I want to give you three passages here. Leviticus 23, verse 26 The Lord said to Moses, the 10th day of this seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly, that's what we're doing right now, and deny yourself, that's why we talk about fasting, and present a food offering to the Lord. Do not do any work on that day, because it is the day of atonement, when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. And Those who do not deny themselves on that day must be cut off from their people. So please take it seriously when it says deny yourself. Bible followers, either get in or get out. There's not a lot of room in the middle in the kingdom. So sit before the Lord. Let him explain to you what denying yourself might mean for you. But let me encourage you to fully dive into that. Those who do not deny themselves on that day must be cut off from their people. I will destroy among them... There are people, anyone who does any work on that day, so please take a Sabbath off if you can. You shall not do any work at all. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Wherever you live, that's something we call the jurisdiction of Israel. Wherever you live, you might live in the land, but you might also live in the Jewish community outside the land, and if that's where you live amongst them, then wherever you live, please observe this. It is the day of Sabbath rest for you and you must deny yourselves. From the evening of the ninth day of the month until the following evening you are to observe the Sabbath. Now we're told to take the Sabbath, deny ourselves, hold a sacred assembly. If we were to jump to Numbers 29, this chapter speaks of the specific animal sacrifices that are prescribed on this holiday that the high priest had to sacrifice. And then a portion of the parasha that Vivian already read for us this morning, Leviticus 16, verse 3 through 7. This is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must first bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic. So he had to wear a special garment for this day with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. That means he has a special hat, special sash. These are the sacred garments, so he must bathe himself with the water before he puts them on. From the Israelite community, he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and for his household. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So all of this is going on, but primarily through the high priest. What's interesting about Yom Kippur is that it's the holiest day of the year but we the people do the least amount of stuff. It tells you who who takes action, right? It's his day to take action. We're in Sabbath rest. We are not working. We are not even eating if that's how you define deny yourself. We're not really doing anything for sacrifices. We're not bringing the animals. We're not killing them. The high priest alone is doing that. This is really a day where we do very little. But the biggest thing we do on today is we take our faith. This is a big faith day, because we do very little physically, but we take all of our faith and we yield it to Messiah and say, we can do nothing, but you can do everything. And then we wait for him to do everything on our behalf, because while we were yet sinners, He died for us as the Messiah. So Aaron had to bathe himself, put on the special clothes. Remember, this is the only time of year he's allowed to go behind the curtain to the Holy of Holies. One person, one time a year. Because we serve a perfect holy God. He does the bath first, he puts on the sacred linen tunic, sash, and head turban. Then he makes the first sacrifice for himself that he would be clean, then for his family. I thought that was interesting. You say, why are those two connected? Well, it's, it's always been connected. 1 Timothy chapter 3. If you cannot manage your household well, then you're not eligible to lead the people of God. That's why the household had to be in order for the high priest to continue. But there's something very intriguing that happens in Leviticus 16. Hopefully you're still there. Very intriguing. I never saw it before. And I was so excited to bring this out to you. I hope it means something to you today. Leviticus 16, 23. Then Aaron is to go into the tent of meeting and take off the linen garments that he put on before he entered the most holy place and he is to leave them there. He shall bathe himself again with water in the sanctuary area and then go and put on his regular clothes. Then he shall come out and sacrifice the burnt offering for himself and the burnt offering for the people to make atonement for them and for the people. I don't know if you caught that. He has to first bathe, put on the priestly garments, go make sacrifice for the people, for himself, for the household, for the altar, sprinkle the blood. When he's done, he goes back into the tent of meeting, takes off the holy high priest garments, puts his regular clothes back on, and goes back and makes atonement again. I never caught that. He had to do it once, with the officialness of the high priesthood and then he had to do it once as a common man. Come on now. So after Aaron performed all of these rituals in the priestly garments, he had to do it again with these regular clothes. And why is that important? Well, after Yeshua died on the cross for our sins in his earthly body, his regular clothes, he then proceeded to enter the heavenly tabernacle and do it again for us with his perfect high priestly clothes. That's found in Hebrews chapter nine, verse 11. But when the Messiah came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, not part of this creation. There There was a performing of the necessity of sacrifice in two different environments. One in the earthly environment, one in the heavenly tabernacle not made with human hands. Yeshua did both elements just like the high priest. The one sacrifice on Golgotha or Calvary in the regular clothes and the other in the earthly, excuse me, the heavenly tabernacle with his official priestly clothes. Now what did Yeshua do for us in these moments as our great high priest in these two roles? Well, Hebrews 4 verse 14 says, therefore since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven... Yeshua, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. So that's a confirmation that, in fact, he's serving not only as the sacrifice that was perfect, but he's serving as the high priest that is perfect. Let's look at Hebrews 10 for a moment, 1 through 4. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins, but those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sin. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin." Why did we need Yeshua in this role? Because not only could he take away sin, he could take away guilt. You see, in the olden days, in the temple and tabernacle period, even if they brought the best sacrifice of their flock, and even if it was offered correctly, and even if God received it with a flash of fire from heaven, the worshippers still went away with their guilty conscience. I still did that. I'm still susceptible to that. I'm still addicted to that. The the sacrifice took away my my sin, but it didn't take away my guilt. But the sacrifice that Yeshua made, both on earth and then the ceremony in heaven, not only took away your sin, but it took away your guilt. It broke the bondage that we are in. It set you free from any addictions. It empowered you for the rest of your life, both in this age and in the age to come. And that's why it was the once and for all perfect sacrifice. So now we've added three pieces to this puzzle. Yeshua, because he had no sin, he was the perfect sacrifice. But Yeshua, because he was the great high priest and performed a ceremony on earth and in heaven in priestly clothes and earthly clothes, he's the perfect high priest. And because he did it both at Golgotha and Calvary, here on earth, and in the heavenly tabernacle, it was done in the perfect location. Perfect sacrifice, perfect high priest, perfect location. This is what Hebrews is getting at why we have a perfect high priest. Now we notice that the law is a shadow, meaning that something greater has always been the expectation. The law was given, it's a perfect law, it's sweet as honey. We should follow it. It means a lot to God. And yet, all that's wrapped up in the law is actually pointing to the the transaction that Yeshua is performing for us or has performed for us. It was never expected that we would do away with the law or the Torah or the need for it, but rather to help us explain the principles behind the laws of God and to bring the law of God and the prophecies of God to their highest fulfillment. If you're a believer in Yeshua today, I want you to just embrace the concept that the law of God is good. It is for you, it is not against you. It is explaining more about who God is. It is inviting you to participate in all that is written. I'm a kind of person who is trying at every opportunity to get into the law of God. I'm not one of the people trying to get out of it. So if you came today and you thought, hey, what's this King of Kings about? Uh, Are they the kind of people that really don't think the Old Testament's important? No. That is not who we are. That is not who we want to be. We don't believe that's who Yeshua was telling us to be. We don't see any of the apostles doing that. We are trying to connect with the law of God as much as possible in all of its meaning and all of its principles and all of its prophecy everything we understand there's some parts that we can't connect with we get that there's no temple there's no earthly high priest we're not going to sacrifice for sin all of those are off the table for us because yeshua not only did it for us but he's still doing it for us so when you say to to us hey do you do away with the sacrifices for sin not really Because the principle of the sacrifice for sin is still being done by our great intercessor who is at the throne of God every day. So the principle is still at work, even though I don't take a lamb or a goat or a bull to the temple. Thus, the Torah has never stopped. But it has been perfected in the work of Yeshua. Matthew 5, 17, now you'll understand it a little differently. Yeshua says, do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And by the way, continue to fulfill them over and over all the time, perpetually. Notice also in Hebrews that the annual sacrifice on Yom Kippur cannot make the worshiper perfect. Did you catch that? Part of what we read was, it can't take away the sin forever, it can't take away the guilt of the worshiper, and it cannot make the worshiper perfect. But why would he emphasize that? Because what he's saying is, the sacrifice of Yeshua can actually make you perfect. Why would he show us the the dichotomy if he couldn't do it? The bull cannot make you perfect, but Yeshua can. The bull cannot take away your guilt, but Yeshua can. The bull cannot take away your sin forever, but Yeshua can. And that's why one day we're going to stand before the throne at the great Yom Kippur, and we're not going to point to our own deeds or our own sacrifices or our own righteousness. We're going to say, I was made perfect because of the blood of Yeshua. And the perfect God is going to say, well, welcome to my perfect abode. You perfect creation because of the perfect sacrifice and perfect high priest. All of this ties in together very cleanly. And where does faith come in? Well, faith comes in because hopefully we understand that the animal sacrifice never actually did anything. Right? Animals die all the time. A lot of what you might eat might start with the killing of an animal. That didn't do anything. It didn't take your sin away. It didn't take your guilt away. It didn't make you perfect. It didn't make you closer to God. It didn't do anything because the animal died. But when we obey the laws of God and an animal has to die on our behalf, it never actually did anything until the people of Israel took their faith in the action, and said, God, the action, I don't even know what it does, but our faith is in you that you will somehow honor the action. Faith has always been part of Yom Kippur. No matter how good the, the lamb and the goats were, the bull, it didn't matter. You give God your best, but in essence, the sacrifice didn't actually physically do anything. Not until faith was added to the equation. And it's the same thing for us today. If you're not a believer in Yeshua, I want you to hear me for a second. God can do everything for you. He can take your place. He can be your substitute. He can pay your debts. He can take away your sin, take away your guilt. He can give you eternal life. All of it is being offered to you now, today. But none of it activates until you decide to put your faith in what God is doing. Faith has to be part of what we're transacting here. But let's continue in Hebrews 10 for just a moment. Let me show you one other interesting thing. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse five. Therefore, when Messiah came into the world, he said, all right, we're about to quote Yeshua now, so I want you to understand the authority of this quote. This is Yeshua being quoted. When the Messiah came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. That has a lot of meaning to it. The bulls and goats, I set it up so you would see the point. But it's not what I actually desired. It was never, it was never actually the goal. It never actually did anything without faith anyway. But a body you prepared for me. This is Yeshua talking. And you might say, well, what, what is he talking about? He's actually quoting King David from Psalm chapter 40. Verse 6 Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened, but a body you have prepared for me. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. What does that mean? That means way back in the Tanakh, way back at King David at the time of Israel being in the land and prophets roaming and all of these things, even back then, they understood a revelation from God that it wasn't bulls and goats, it was actually the body of the Messiah that was being pointed to. Some of you are looking up Psalm 40 verse six and you're saying, why doesn't my Bible not say that? Well, your Bible has most of it, but the earliest versions of the Septuagint Include the phrase, but a body you have prepared for me. And you say, why why do I need to understand the difference? Because the writer of Hebrews had that early version. And they are quoting Yeshua, quoting King David. And whether or not you say, well, should the parenthetical statement be added to the Bible? Or should it be seen as authority? Well, friends, if my Messiah says something, I'm going to assume it's authority and it should be included in the Bible. Our attention is now put on the fact that the actual plan of God has been to establish a physical body to undergo this perfect sacrifice in these earthly, normal clothes on earth. God does not desire the animal sacrifice because it never did anything without the faith in God's work anyway. The animal's death was nothing but a shadow of what was coming that would actually cleanse us from sin and take away our guilty conscience. But that part of God's redemption plan involved Yeshua's body because he was the only perfect sacrifice on earth because he had no sin. And in the heavenly tabernacle where he transacted all of this because it had never been made with sin-stained hands the way the earthly temple had been let me give you our second key key phrase of the night or of the morning here's the key phrase Yeshua was the perfect sinless sacrifice. He was the perfect high priest to perform the sacrifice. He was the perfect judge to accept the sacrifice. And he performed all of these functions in the perfect heavenly tabernacle, not made with sin-stained human hands. The fourth part is added. We got the sacrifice, we got the high priest, and we got the heavenly tabernacle. But did you know he also had to serve as the judge to decide to receive it. God has always been the judge to decide to receive it. The tradition throughout the Torah was, if you made a sacrifice with the right heart, then God would send a flame from heaven and burn up your sacrifice. That means there were other embarrassing times where people would bring a sacrifice and perhaps the flame from heaven did not come. And you would know right away whether it was accepted or it was not accepted. But in this transaction, this Yom Kippur, Yeshua had to serve as all four functions perfectly because there was no one else worthy, including being the final judge to decide to receive the sacrifice that he himself had offered about himself. This is why, guys, on Yom Kippur, it's the day where we do the least. Because He's doing the sacrifice. He's doing the high priest role. He's doing the judge role in the heavenly places. And we do the least. And what does it speak to? It speaks to the highest level of faith that none of it even activates until we connect our faith with the work of Yeshua in our life. There's so many things you could talk about it on Yom Kippur. There's the two goats the symbolism of one that has to die and one that has to live. And our God, Yeshua, did both. Do you understand? Do you see that? He, he both died and lived. Show me another Messiah that the Jewish community would put forward that could compare to that. The one to be sacrificed as our lamb the one to be our perfect high priest in both earthly settings and in heavenly settings, in the perfect tabernacle that he made, not us, and the perfect judge to receive all of it to make the final ruling. Let's pray. Yeshua, we thank you that this Yom Kippur, our faith is in you, it's not in us. Our faith is in your work, not in our work. Our faith is in your sacrifice, not in our sacrifice. We're so grateful for what you've done for us in all of its depth and meaning. Thank you, Yeshua, that today if we put our faith in you, you will take away our sin, you will take away our guilt, you will take away our bondage, and you will proclaim us to be perfect, something we could never achieve on our own. And we thank you, Lord, that you did not wait for us to try to figure this out, but you gave us the remedy You met us when we were lost, and while we were yet sinners, you died for us. We receive the goodness of your sacrifice today, in Yeshua's name, amen. To honor the day of Yom Kippur that's approaching, we wanted to give you a moment to meditate on some traditional blessings and readings. So you can just close your eyes, have a few moments with the Lord, I'm gonna read these from the Sidur, it's actually from the Makhzor, which is the the high holiday version of the Sidur. You have remembered us unto life, O king who delights in life, and you have written us into the book of life for your name's sake. O God of life, Kadosh, 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 Adonai, Elohim, Tzvaot, Asher Hayah VeHovei VeYavo. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord, the God of hosts, who was, and is, and is to come. From the Alchet prayer. For all of our sins, O God of forgiveness, forgive us and pardon us in Yeshua's name. From the Ashamnu prayer. Ashamnu Bhagadnu Gzalnu Dibarnu Dafi. Avinu Baharshaenu Zadnu Khmasnu Vafalnu sheker. Ya'atnu Ra Kzavnu latnu, moradnu, Naratsnu Sarnu Avinu Pishenu Saranu Kishinu Orif Vishanu sichatnu, we have trespassed. We have dealt deceitfully, we have stolen, we have slandered, we have acted perversely, we have done wrong, we have acted presumptuously. We have been violent, we have spoken lies, we have counseled evil, we have spoken falsely, we have blasphemed, we have scoffed, we have rebelled, we have provoked, we have oppressed. We have been stiff-necked, we have corrupted, we have gone astray, and we have led others astray. But if we confess our sins, Yeshua, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our Father, our King, be merciful and answer us though we have no worthy deeds. Treat us charitably with loving-kindness, for you have saved us. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sustains us, gives us life, and enables us to reach this holiday season. We thank you, Lord, for all your blessings today. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. Listen, we're going to have a moment of worship before we close. Prayer team, if you'll make your way forward, we're going to give you an opportunity. Perhaps today is a day you need to confess something to the Lord. You need prayer. You need encouragement. You need healing. Perhaps today is a day where you want to present yourself before the Lord and let him take the first step to cleanse you. All of that's available when you come and agree with our prayer team. We'll worship for a few minutes, we'll wait on the Lord, and then Pastor Mike will come and close the service.